Well, the haters gonna hate, 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 and the fakers gonna fake, 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 baby. I'm just gonna make, 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 making luck, making luck. A Dominion podcast. I don't like sushi, actually. Um, sorry to hear that you're incorrect about this, but uh, so we are here to talk about uh, Dominion and. Welcome to Making Luck, a Dominion podcast. Make them, welcome to it. <laughs> we did it, guys. So we're here. We made it. Well, we made it. We made it a day late. Sorry. Yeah, my bad. Uh, no, it's definitely not your bad. Like Someone's this is a hundred percent my fault. Like, no, it's okay. Uh, I went to a, I went to a convention this past weekend, and I was not about to ask my wife to be like, "Hey, can I spend two and a half hours in the basement the day after I get back and spent all day at work?" And, like, not spend any time with you or the kid, because, uh, anyway, so we didn't do that. So, uh, I just decided to push it off a day. But speaking of that convention, there was a tournament. And I understand that the winner of said tournament... Yeah, so, like, I, I went up there, and uh, the, the Michigan tournament, and I was like, hey, maybe for the podcast, I'll interview the winner or something. And so, you know, the tournament happened, I had a lot of fun, it was great. And I thought, like, you know, maybe... Maybe we could do even better. So instead of interviewing the winner there and recording it, I thought we would uh, bring the winner back here and record them live on the podcast. Yeah. So so here we are. Uh, we're about to bring on our uh, guest star of episode 50 of Making Luck, a Dominion podcast, the winner of the 2018 Yukon Dominion Tournament in Ypsilanti, Michigan, and pre-qualified for the finals of the World National Tournament at Gen Con in 2019. Are you ready, Jake? I am. That was a mouthful, but who is it? Uh, well, so I, I just have one question for you, man. How how did you get to be such a f***ing asshole <laughs> mother? <laughs> Well, you know, I was born that way, to be honest with you. <laughs> if you can't tell, yes, uh, Adam Horton did win the tournament, which uh, made the process of interviewing the winner of the tournament for the podcast a little more awkward, but, what, you know... There was nothing awkward about that. <laughs> right, no, Adam interviewing himself, I mean, how different is that from a normal episode of Making Luck? But anyway, so, shots fired. Zing! Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah... Congratulations on the tournament. About uh, what was it like? I mean, was it was so it a good event? Yeah, so I've been going there for the past like five or six years. I've lost count of the number of years I've gone. That's how yeah. often I've been going. I went there one year and uh, haven't not gone because the Dominion tournament was fun and I wanted to keep on going. So if you're anywhere near Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is uh, for our video listeners, it's it's right there. But uh, for our audio-only listeners, it's uh, it, well, it's pretty close to Detroit. It's about a half-hour drive of Detroit. Just take a right turn from where you are now. You'll get there. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's in the southern, southern part of the lower peninsula of Michigan. So, like, if you're yeah. anywhere in, like, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, like, or Michigan, lower peninsula, like, or even, like, some parts of southeastern Wisconsin, like, it's less than, like, a three- or four-hour drive to get there. And it ha happens every year, and uh, I think it's a really well-run event. A lot of the things that I do in my own tournaments are things that I stole from the tournament organizer of this yeah. tournament. Like those trays, he stole those. Uh, well, I I bought those, but yeah, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. 
but <laughs> uh, it's a it's a really well run event, and uh, there's there's a somewhat different crowd of people that goes there every year. Really? Uh, so there were there were twelve people this year. Attendance usually ranges from like nine to twenty five, depending on things. Uh, the convention uh, is sort of filling up that hotel, and so um, nice. Yeah, it, the the twelve people that were there, uh, a lot of them were very very talented at Dominion. Um, so I don't know how I beat them. Must have been lucky. I guess. No, it's okay. It's, yeah. it's uh, first player advantage or something. Yeah, first player advantage. Yeah, every game. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So, but in any case, uh, I did write a blog post uh, detailing all of the kingdoms that I played for that tournament and what I thought about them and how they went for me. So uh, we'll link that post in the description of uh, this video, or you can just go to adamhorton.com. It's like right there at the top. Uh, there's a picture of the finals game yeah. uh, where I was uh, you know, playing, I was thinking heavily, and then the other two people are in there um, probably laughing at me because I was thinking too heavily. I don't know. Well, look at you now. Yeah. You have a podcast about a card game. That's right. <laughs> they don't. Right. Uh, shout out to all of the you know people that I got to see there. I happen to know that a couple of the people in that tournament were listening to episodes of this podcast nice. on the drive to the tournament. Nice. So there was, a, there was a guy that I had never met before, friends of someone who had uh, traveled to my most previous tournament in Cincinnati. And he was like, oh, you're the guy from the podcast. And I'm hey, like, the guy. that was really great for my ego, I gotta tell you. <laughs> Getting recognized like that, that was pretty good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. So I, I had a good time uh, that weekend, and uh, uh, the tournament was great. Yeah, no, I uh, definitely wish I could have made it too. I played in the tournament as well. But, but speaking of tournaments... I know that you have another announcement to make. Oh, yeah, check it out. Regarding another upcoming tournament you won't be able to play in. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to play in this one. Uh, so, I'm, uh, you know, I, I have a Dominion tournament every six months in the Cincinnati area. And uh, finally have a date for the next one. It's going to be in January 2019 on yeah. Saturday the 12th. I will, I'm always excited to play in Adam's tournaments. They are a big part of how I started getting involved in uh, Dominion in the first place, started to learn the ropes, and so I'll be playing it, uh, which is why I can't help him in any way organize it or play Test Kingdoms. Yeah, you let so, me borrow your cards, though, which I, is extremely borrow... important to the success of this <laughs> tournament. There's that, so uh, I'll be able to play in that, and of course, uh, attendance of all people, all calibers, all skill levels is encouraged because they're a lot of fun. Yeah, so the last tournament, uh, it was uh, it consisted of three player games, and it had 31 people show up. Yeah. That's enormous. Like, I never dreamed of having a tournament that big. I have every reason to believe that it's going to keep growing. Well, this one's a two player one, right? Yeah, so this one is two player games. Which are uh, a lot more popular. It's true. All the crowd that goes to, like, every competitive Dominion that I've ever been to prefers two-player games, which is why I do these tournaments. Yeah. And uh, I, I have reason to believe it's going to be bigger than that, and uh, not only does that mean that I'm going to need more sets of base cards, because there's more games of Dominion going on, but, like, also, you know, there's more games for a two-player tournament for the same number of players as a three-player yeah. tournament. right. So I don't know where I'm going to get all those. But anyway, if you want to go, if you're anywhere near Cincinnati, I get a lot of people that travel in for these tournaments, and they keep coming back, I'm assuming because they have fun. and uh, Not because Adam's threatening them. I'm definitely not threatening them. No. Definitely not. 
But, uh, you know, don't be, don't be shy about it. If you're anywhere near the area, uh, send me an email, or you can go to adamhorton.com to the contact page, or you can go to the tournaments page. There's a Facebook event already. Contact me any way you know how. I can answer any questions. I can help you uh, find a place to stay in the area. I have, like, a few couches you can crash on if that's absolutely necessary, but I do have to know you're not an axe murderer first, so we'll talk about it. No promises. Also, you probably only get one. He said you have. He has a few couches you could crash on. You could probably only have one couch at a time. Yeah, and you don't get to take it home with you. That's not what I meant. Right. That's going to be the raffle prize. So speaking yeah. of uh, the raffle, yeah. Anyway. So anyway, uh, I, I would really like to see all of you at the tournament. If you're listening to this and you're anywhere near the area, please come out. It's going to be fun, and uh, I'm going to try and have something a little bit special. Last time it was sandwiches. Uh, the time before that it was cookies. Uh, see what happens. Yeah, we should all go. I'm crossing my fingers for brownies. Yeah, That's I was uh, I was thinking about uh, you know maybe maybe a little dessert this time. We'll yeah, see. Nice, something I can make a lot of because we're probably gonna have a ton of people if I've earned it. But the so last uh, time we uh, did an episode on this, uh, last one you listened to is probably the mini sode that we released in between, but. This time, we last... were, yeah, we were recording our thoughts on Renaissance. Yeah, which you'll get to hear later. Yeah, in like um, a couple months. We'll be long dead. There but was there was they... one joke that I forgot to make in the intro to that episode. Can I make it now, please, before we we actually do the podcast? I don't think I could stop you if I tried. <laughs> you know, he's got a great point. So anyway, there's a card in Renaissance called Old Witch, and there's just there's one thing about that card that is the most important thing about the entire set, and I, I can't let this be quiet any longer. Yeah, and I think I knew what you mean. Yeah. I also think you did make this joke. I definitely did not make this joke. All right. In any case... (laughs) We're going to come back to this. (laughs) In any case, even if I did, it's such a great joke that it needs to be made again. The most important thing about Old Witch is now we're going to be calling Witch Medium Witch. So anyway, uh, we talked about knights in the last real episode of the podcast. Yeah, so we talked about the knights pile. We talked a little bit about what it does and what it means for the game. And of course, as always, we concluded on a kingdom that we were going to be playing through uh, the next week as we uh, did our thing, existed, and it's going to have knights in it, did have knights in it. So we're going to talk about that kingdom. And that starts by reading the cards in it. Yeah. And uh, I'll go ahead and take care of that. Yeah, yeah. Good, good call, Yeah. Nice. So uh, the cards in this kingdom that we played are Poor House, Chapel, Crossroads, Monastery, Guide, Wishing Well, Bureaucrat, Grave Robber, Highway, and Knights. Once more for our audio-only listeners, we have Poor House, Chapel, Crossroads, Monastery, Guide, Wishing Well, Bureaucrat, Grave Robber, Highway, and Knights. Yeah, so last time I think we did agree that the best thing you could do involved Knights. Yeah, yeah, so we, we had hypothesize these two different kinds of decks like adam kind of advocated we both agreed that the knights was probably best but adam advocated for this other deck that he thought would have a good chance to yeah like i thought that maybe this knight proof deck that you could build um and i'm using quotations in that 
uh, could be not terrible. And uh, I just want to go on record as saying that, indeed, the deck was terrible. So about that, I was incorrect. So here's the... Well, the deck wasn't terrible, is uh, the thing. It had, like, no freaking chance of winning. It had no chance of winning, but that was because so, yeah, of the, the things that could happen with the knights. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you needed to do the knights. It's yeah. important. And so there were... The deck he's talking about is one that's knight-proof because everything that it uses costs uh, one or two or eight. It's either provinces or poorhouses or crossroads the, the or problem, or whatever. The problem is that that $8 card, province, turns out it's not safe from knights. Yeah, because we have highway. You actually Whoops. you actually called this during the analysis of yeah. the kingdom that we wrapped up with. You said, I'm going to buy provinces and they're going to end up in your deck. And that's true, because yeah. he bought provinces, and then I played a bunch of highways, and then knights, and then uh, trashed his provinces, and then stole him with Grave Robber. It was really fun. It was really fun for you. Uh, I gotta <laughs> be honest, the, the thing that, I want to pinpoint the thing that I underestimated. Uh, when I was thinking about that deck, I was like, okay, this chapel, crossroads, poor house kind of deck is gonna be... Uh, greening first right it's really quick to be able to province and to be fair it was yeah it, like, like i started you, getting provinces on like turn seven or turn eight and you got like, you had four of turn. them by like turn 12 which yeah. would normally be like not beatable or ignorable mm -hmm. and like pretty good prospects of continuing to get them because crossroads yeah. is a really good card well and like the if, you, if and you draw your crossroads you can basically find all the poor houses you need which province. which is two yeah yeah so yeah that takes two of them yeah. Because you trash all the treasures. Right. Yeah. So uh, it turns out, like, that's that's really good, and I thought, you know, he can trash a province, and I can buy a province on every turn, but there's no way that I'm going to lose the game because I'll still have enough points to win. I did underestimate the idea that he could play, like, multiple knights in a turn and trash multiple of my provinces in a turn, even yeah. if he could only gain one of them with Grave Robber. But, like, no lead was safe. Like, that's... if I didn't have a province in my starting hand... It was going to be in the trash aroni on that turn. Yeah, no, that's very true. Especially because you've thinned your deck so much with the chapel that you didn't have any like buffer. There wasn't anything else that they could hit instead. Yeah. And if you play enough knights, it makes it so that really only or the the highways with the knights actually. So the way that you build this deck that we're talking about it probably deserves some lip service here. You open with a chapel, obviously, and then your other opener. I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. I. I I tried Poor House, I tried Second Chapel, I tried Crossroads. None of them felt great. I like the Double Chapel opening, I think regardless of the deck you're going to build here. Yeah. Poor House does that. This is true. Yeah, I mean, the, the Double Chapel opening was fine. I it, it didn't help that because the few times we did play this, I, I got bad shuffle luck every opener time anyway, and my mm. opening buzz collided, so it didn't matter. Like, Or I got, like, Crossroads with no estates or something, and, like, mm. so it you didn't did really matter. You did open Crossroads. I don't think I like opening Crossroads. Yeah, I was kind of experimenting a little bit, but anyway, so you get this uh, chapel and... Uh, you get a crossroads pretty early, but you also get these two poor houses. Um, and eventually, uh, any time that you don't hit five, you're grabbing either, I don't know, a guide or a wishing well. It doesn't really matter which one. They do about the same thing. Yeah. I think that Wandering Winter and RTT said the guide was better. I thought the wishing well was fine. Well, like, the first one's probably a guide, and then the second yeah. one might be a wishing well. It doesn't freaking yeah, matter. Yeah, they right? do about the same yeah. thing for you. And... 
which is almost nothing. Uh, but yeah. the uh, but then you then your first five is not a knight. It is a grave robber, and that's really important because the grave robber is the most important card in the deck. There was one time that like getting a highway before the grave robber made sense because uh, I was a I had like one poor house in my deck at that point. I don't remember how I hit five. It was really weird what happened, but it meant that I could like hit five and and have a poor house. Sure. But the the point is that that's that's really edge casey because the big part of the grave robber is that it can trash the chapel into a knight. And yeah. also, you need to have the grave robber in the deck ASAP because your grave robber grabs knights back, which is really important because uh, the knight's file actually doesn't empty or anything. Um at least it didn't when we played. Even when we did the mirror, it didn't empty. Yeah, but like both of us played that game so poorly. Uh, yeah, you did play pretty poorly. Yeah. Mm. But uh, then you then you get two highways in the deck. You don't really need more than two. If you have Sir Martin, you might get more than two just to have those extra buys mean something. But uh, I think there's something to putting a third highway in the deck. Sure. If you want to laser focus down their provinces, the third highway is pretty important. Uh, yeah, no, I could see that being the case, because yeah. it makes knights ineligible to be trashed by the knights, yeah. so uh, they can't, uh, so it means that they have to trash the provinces, but, you know, two or three highways in the deck, and two or three highways in play, and then you just start playing knights uh, as much as you can. You get to play three a turn, because Crossroads is the only village, other than uh, the village knight, uh, mm. but, and, uh, yeah, then if your opponent is mirroring you, then it gets weird, but if they're not mirroring you, you just destroy them and win that way. But if they are mirroring you, you get into this really weird stalemate where it's really hard for either of you to make any progress because your deck is this self-contained machine that is just doing the same thing every turn. It is uh, playing a crossroads and then playing a knight or two and and its highways. Self-contained machine, doing the same thing every turn, consistent inputs and outputs... Yeah. yeah. If only there was a word for that. Right. Yeah. And the, Well, the most important card to the deck was the Grave Robber. It was grabbing back your highways. It was grabbing knights. If you were dumb and played too many highways, it was doing nothing because there <laughs> hey, was I nothing in that price point it could grab. Yeah, but, those are good times. Yeah, it's also funny because even if you want to grab something that would be eligible with Grave Robber, like, there's no draw here other than potentially crossroads, and so like you've got to play the highways anyway because they're cantrips in your deck. So like, yeah. yeah, if you lose Sir Martin, he's just gone. You're not getting him back. But mm. poor guy. Yeah, some of the he knights are more. Yeah, some of the knights are more valuable than others in this uh, mirror match. Like the discarding yeah. knight can make your opponent discard the provinces that they happen to draw, so that you can trash them and grab them. Yeah, uh, the plus great. the plus by night was really cool with highway. I actually really enjoyed this kingdom. Yeah, good for you, man. I'm, happy for <laughs> you. I'm pretty pretty jazzed. I don't ever have to play it again. Yeah, this is we get into some of the differences between Adam and I as players. Like you've noticed, there have been some kingdoms that um, I really disliked that Adam uh, was totally fine with, and but this one, this was my jam. This was okay. Well, anyway, are we done talking about this yet? No, I just want to talk a little bit more about... So anyway, uh, this episode <laughs> we are going to cover Encampment and Plunder. And that is a split pile from the Empire's expansion, and obviously we talk about those together. So uh, I think this is a good time to read the text of that card. Sure. 
So the top card of the pile is Encampment. It's a two-cost action. It says plus two cards, plus two actions. That's pretty good. And then you may reveal a gold or plunder from your hand. If you do not, set this aside and return it to the supply at the start of cleanup. Yeah, so you have this card that is effectively Lost City, but if you do not reveal a gold or a plunder, you uh, lose it after you play it. It goes back in the supply. Yeah. And then the bottom five are plunder. You do it. Plunder is a five-cost treasure. It gives you $2, so it's effectively a silver, but it also gives you a VP chip. So it's effectively a monument. Yeah, so it's basically like a a non a treasure version of a monument. Yeah. It's like you played a chariot race and then a copper. Yeah, and but you won the chariot race. Yeah, which doesn't happen. And you drew the copper. Yeah. Anyway, it's so just like that. It's a silver that gives you a VP chip, and it also helps you keep the encampments in your deck because remember, uh, it says in, in plunder or gold. So those are the top five are encampments and the bottom five are plunders. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet card, huh? Yeah, this pile is pretty much never, like, ignorable. I, I don't think I've played very many games at all where at least one of the two parts of this Encampment Plunder duo weren't super important. Well, I mean, never ignorable, I think, is a little bit of a strong statement, actually, because if there's, like, no plus buy or extra gains, like, sure. a lot of times Encampment isn't worth picking up, and if Encampment's not worth picking up, then you're never going to see the plunders. Man, Encampment not being worth picking up though seems like a stretch because we we have this this card that is basically lost city and just for reference lost city is a card that does what encampment does except it costs five and when you pick it up it gives your opponent a benefit and this costs two and doesn't do that so this just for in lost city is considered a very strong card and so for scale here i mean encampments are really really powerful it seems a little goofy to be putting that in a in a deck that's mostly focused on money though I mean, maybe you do it, but it just doesn't seem like the most important thing ever. I think, uh, I think it's, I mean, what I'm getting at here is that Encampment, the top card of the pile, like, it, it needs two things to really, really be great. I think it has one of them, you're probably fine. Uh, the two things are, uh, extra gains of some kind. Yeah. Uh, because you don't want to spend your whole turn just picking up a two-cost card that might be going away. Feels kind of bad. And then uh, trashing, because you want to be able to line up your encampments with your whatevers to keep them in your deck. Yeah, so I actually had originally said that uh, this that encampment uh, and plunder are probably the best of either payload or deck control that's in the kingdom. And uh, Wandering Winter actually made a good point that that's not really true by itself that what these are is really good support pieces for other deck control slash payload as in the encampments are really good supplemental deck control they're really good to help your deck uh, stay there even if it doesn't get it there what what is that don't worry about it oh okay so we're not worrying about it yeah no so like adam said uh, the 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 draw and actions that's an element of deck control but encampments aren't really getting control of your deck by themselves because they go away. They really want to be in a deck that already has some control to help give it more control. Oh, uh, so I, I think what this really means is, like, uh, you want to make sure you can line up your encampment with a gold or a plunder so you can keep it in your deck, right? 
Uh, that would be the goal, yes. So if I have, like, one gold in my entire deck, and it's 30 cards, uh, I may not be able to play my encampments, because I'm drawing all these other cards, and I didn't find my gold yet, right? Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of considerations to go into with that. Like, sometimes it's worth doing anyway, but... Yeah, totally. Well, right, so uh, sometimes it's worth doing anyway. Of course, there's the opportunity cost. Uh, if I'm getting an encampment... Maybe I could be getting something else yeah. uh, that provides me a more permanent benefit rather than this the one-shot nature of the encampment. Uh, I mean, if I have two bucks, sure, I'll get it and play it, and then it's gone, and that's great. But if I want to keep it around, uh, you know, I would prefer to have a deck that has a chance of keeping the encampment around before putting the encampment in my deck. Yeah. Because then if I draw the encampment and I don't have a, a gold or plunder around... Am I going to play my YOLO encampment, or am I going to not play it so that I don't have to give it up? Like, all this stuff feels really bad. Well, so, yeah, these are definitely situations that come across and questions that you ask yourself when you find yourself in, in those situations. Now, encampment is also interesting because, and the plunders as well, because this is a split pile of these really powerful cards, and that means that... The, it's going to be split probably when they deplete, and they most likely will. And one player is going to have more of them than the other. And that really uh, makes it interesting to play around, because that player usually has a pretty strong advantage in terms of uh, the... Especially with the encampments, because if they have more draw than you. Uh, I was actually going to say they have more, like, terminal space. Yeah, that too. I mean, it matters, right? I would say that being able to play an additional terminal action could sometimes be a bigger deal than being able to draw an extra card. Uh, It depends on a lot, but sure. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah, and of course, you look at the rest of the board too and decide, is encampment the best slash only village or best slash only draw there? And, you know, if there's a lot of other supplementary draw or village, then the split gets less important. To, clearly, but in a lot of cases, the split is it is going to be the best of draw or village that's available in the kingdom, and so that split is going to really need to be in your mind because there's no chance of it going like five five. If you lose that split, you only got two of them or fewer, and if that's a vital piece of the deck, you're missing out. Yeah, so you're talking about losing the split, and so I think there's a big difference between like a three two split versus a 4-1 split. Yeah, for sure. So, like, you know, a normal kingdom pile in Dominion has 10 cards, and if you split them, it's 5 each, and if you don't, you're looking at 6-4, and, you know, 6-4 can be annoying, but, like, yeah. it's not it's not nearly as polarizing of a difference as something like 4-1. to one. I have four times as many of these as you, as opposed to, like, sure. 50%, like, a half of a time. The, the point is... That uh, with a split pile, if you lose the split, you're in for some harsher consequences. And so uh, with every split pile, I think it's relevant to go through an exercise of, well, what's what's going to happen if I really bork this split? And, we, you know, with Catapult and Gladiator, it's, it doesn't really yeah. matter because it's so a terminal and like... you don't want a million of them. But, you know, with all of the other split pile cards, uh, you know, Patrician... An encampment, and maybe some other thing that I don't like saying around Jake because he gets triggered. Anyway, uh, with, with those cards, you tend to care about how many you want, and uh, losing that split by a lot can have unique ramifications depending on what the card is. Oh! In, in encampment and plunders case, 
um, you're looking at two potential situations that result in pain, depending on which part of the split you've lost. If I don't have very many encampments, and my opponent does, then I've got four of these great cards in my deck. I can play a lot of actions, and I can draw a lot of actions and do a lot of cool stuff, and they're sitting there with one encampment wishing they had more. Right. Uh, with the plunders, it's a little bit of a different, and I assume we would get to that when we talk about plunders. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, we get into this point where the, the encampments can really uh, sort of kind of run the early game just because of their sheer ability to enable you to play a bunch of cards and their cost. As Adam alluded to earlier, there this really shines on board with multiple gains to take advantage of that cheap cost. Uh, but I do want to stress here that it is perfectly valid a lot of the time to buy an encampment with no intention of keeping it, either because you can't or because you're not likely to. I mean, yes, it's sad to have to put back encampments, but they also might help you get your deck up and running to the point where you eventually get more and keep more encampments, or maybe there's something else that you want to be doing. You buy expeditions sometimes, and that's kind of the same difference so i I buy expedition in less than five percent of my games yeah sometimes and so that's because it only appears in like five percent of my games (laughs) okay yeah see what i did there that's pretty good that was good yeah no but you want to uh really think about like it's totally valid to do that and so a lot of the time you draw the encampment and you're not guaranteed to keep it and you're thinking about playing it and It's usually, and we're going to get into some situations here, but it's usually right to go ahead and just play it, especially if it makes your turn better. Maybe it helps you buy that gold that you needed in the first place. Yeah, so I think there's a a thing that you want to do and there's a thing that you don't want to do. Let's talk briefly about a thing you don't want to do with encampments, Jake. Yeah, okay. The thing that you don't want to do goes like this. I buy an encampment, and I buy another encampment. And now I have this turn with an encampment in it. And I don't want my opponent to get that encampment, but lucky for me, I've got two dollars. So I'm going to buy, buy an another encampment. encampment. <laughs> yeah. And then this happens, and, and it happens like five times, and you've been hitting two like a champ, okay? Yeah, right. And now you got all five encampments. You just crushed the encampment split. And way that's... to go! Not going to stay the case, because... Now your deck sucks, because you can't play these encampments. You just bought five curses, and you're never going to be able to keep them in your deck, because how are you going to get a gold? Don't do that. Right, there's definitely an aspect of tempo to keep in mind here. Just play an encampment. Like, if I played one or two of those encampments early on, maybe I could buy a gold, and then buy more encampments. Or even better, build a good deck that maybe thins some cards, and then buys a gold... And gets, like, a plus buy card or something that can gain maybe two encampments in a turn. Yeah, so this... That feels a lot better. This, uh, there's this phase early on in the game where neither player ha- really has a realistic shot of keeping the encampment in their deck, mm. or at least by no means are they going to. Uh, and yet they do buy the encampments because the encampments are so good, and so the encampment, uh, as a comparison you made, turns into, like, a mini madman. It's kind of yeah. that's a good way to think about it. Is like you mad you boy. have the madman, yeah, mad boy. <laughs> uh, you've got this. You've got madman in your deck. Ma- or mad boy. boy is spelled M A D B O I. Okay. Okay. Good. Mad boy. Yeah. So you've got this thing in your deck that is a, a basically a one shot draw, but that's totally fine because it's making that turn a lot better. So yeah, yeah go that, ahead and do it. That first part of the the process that I said was good, where you're building a good deck. A lot of the times uh, when you play a card 
that helps your turn. It helps you build a good deck. Nice. So uh, playing an encampment can be good there, even if you don't get to keep the encampment. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, so the interesting part of this pile is that it kind of repurposes gold, because it's going to be a little while before the plunders get revealed. So uh, the having the gold in the deck is usually a function of payload. Usually you're doing that to hit a price point, and mm. gold still does that. It's still great at that. But the purpose of gold's on an encampment board, particularly getting an early gold, which you try to do, becomes debt control. Uh-huh. The gold becomes something that helps you keep these encampments in your deck, and so getting one early becomes more of a priority than it normally is. Eat your heart out, storyteller. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and obviously uh, you get a lot of mileage in this case out of uh, cards where you are able to save things for future hands. Now, you are going to be in this situation at a certain point where you do have that early gold that you've tried to spike to, uh, and you've got one encampment or so, but you don't have quite the deck control yet to guarantee. Uh, So you get a lot of mileage out of things like uh, gear and save, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I was was kind of thinking about Herbalist. Because, like... If I buy a gold, I would like to play that gold. And I think Herbalist is the only card in the game. Uh, well, maybe there's some Mandarin tricks, but then you're buying a Mandarin, so that's, yeah, that's not great. In this situation, you're buying an Herbalist. Yeah, but Herbalist is actually pretty good because it gives you the plus buy to yeah. help you pick up more encampments. Oh, that's, that's true, too. And it helps too, you keep yeah. your encampments in your deck. So, like, I mean, Herbalist isn't uh, the strongest card ever, but in terms of helping you keep encampments in your deck... It does a really stinking good job at that. Yeah, and, sure. And you probably don't mind so much that it's terminal because you're keeping encampments in your deck. Yeah, encampment terminal so space tends synergy, to not right? be a to not be much of an object when the encampments are out. Just uh, because, especially it's, early it's on village. in the game. Yeah, like maybe later on, I'm going to be pickier about my terminal space. But later on, I'm probably going to be as thin as I want to be, and I'm going to have a little bit more reliable debt control, and you know, I'll be aiming to increase my payload, and so. You know, Herbalist, you did your thing. We're really happy for your service, and, and we're really glad that we had what we had and we have it. But hashtag the tribe has spoken, and maybe you wouldn't be useful anymore. Sorry, we got a, we got a letter down easy. Yep. After the alchemist broke her heart. Poor, poor Herbalist. Poor her, Hermietta. The Herbalist. She had a name. I forgot what it was. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, so you'll also be in this situation, of course, where you uh, that we've alluded to, where you have a gold and a plunder in your deck. You've got the theoretical tools to be able to play an encampment and keep it, but yet you have the encampment in your hand and you don't have the gold in your hand, so you play the encampment and it's a risk. So you're in this question, man, do I play the encampment and hope that I draw the gold? Yeah, do you or, YOLO that encampment? And, or or do I hang on to it and try to hopefully make the deck better so that I can play the encampment in a way that'll let me keep it? Yeah. There are a few considerations that get into that, and uh, one of the big ones is, one, are you ever gonna, do you have the deck control to like build your deck in a way that eventually you'll be able to play an encampment without risking losing it? Because... If that's never going to be the case, remember, you don't want to have the encampments be curses that you can't play. Yeah, it's kind of like Madman. It's like yeah. if I have a Madman in hand and someone hits me with a discard attack, you know, maybe you should consider still playing your Madman. 
Yeah. Not that that's ever happened to anyone here. Don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, so you think you also consider this play, which is very often the right play, in my opinion, to the right play, the correct play. Yes. The the A plus maximizing win rate play. To actually hoard the encampment. To not play it when you have a risk of losing it just to keep it in your deck. A lot of the time that is something you need to do, and it comes down to how important those encampments are. But the other thing it comes down to is thinking about before you play any card, if I play this, how much better does my turn actually get? Yeah, like that calculation I think is the most relevant thing about this. Like if I play this encampment, regardless of what I draw, is it going to make my turn better? Yeah. And, it, and if the answer is not, like, definitely yes, uh, to the point where it's much better by an encampment, like, then don't play the stupid thing. But, like, if I'm going to play this encampment, it's going to draw me back to my workshop, and I can just play the workshop to gain another encampment. Right. And, yeah, do that one. But or that's or the plus buy and two coins or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like that sweet, sweet woodcutter. That yeah. delicious, magnificent woodcutter. Yeah, in other words, drawing an encampment and not playing it for fear of losing it is kind of like trading tempo. You're trading the tempo of this turn uh, to essentially invest in this future deck that you might have that gets to play all of the that has this extra encampment in it, and then gets to play all of these uh, encampments without with impunity, without fear of losing them. So you want to think one is that deck likely to ever manifest is that actually a realistic investment to get value out of and two how far along does playing the encampment get you to building that that ideal deck later yeah so like if your opponent seems like they're pretty interested in also having encampments which Which frequently probably are yes encampments op uh it's a pretty good card yeah op yeah is over purple yes yeah but but let's say their your opponent is interested in that encampment. Um, now you have this uh, you have this situation where you know you don't want to just let them have that encampment because maybe long term it's going to make their deck better. So you also you have this consideration of like well the the deck I eventually want to build it can play now one more terminal action in a turn. What is that terminal action? How much better are my future turns going to be? And, you know, that puts in perspective the sacrifice you're willing to make. Not the card sacrifice, but the, you know, the game-related sacrifice you're willing to make. And maybe you can help justify that by saying, oh, well, I'm going to play an extra woodcutter on all my turns now. Okay, well, maybe not worth it, but maybe I'm going to play an extra bridge troll or something. Well, okay, maybe that's worth it. Yeah, another really big consideration that goes into whether or not you play your encampment when you might lose it is... Reading the phase of the game. Uh, Obviously, when neither player has a gold in their deck, you have probably still bought some encampments at some point because they're a big boost to whatever it is you're doing. They speed you along. They they draw you cards and let you play terminals. That's great. And you can always buy it back later if you need to. But once you get to the shuffle before either player has a gold or or is is about to get one, you really start thinking a little more carefully about playing them in general because they switch roles. The encampments switch from being this 
uh, tempo booster that you buy almost sort of like an event or kind of analogous to the newly revealed experiment to a highly contested deck component. Oh, I was thinking rocket boots, but anyway. Yeah, rocket boots, experiment, same thing. Uh, To this highly contested deck component, we come back to the fact that there is only five of them. The, it doesn't actually even feel like there's only five of them in the first few phases of the game because it feels like the it's supply like is limitless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But once either player, once you, and more importantly, once your opponent has a gold in their deck, you really need to think twice because if those encampments are permanently sticking to their deck, then you might lose it forever by playing it. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, you, you ready to talk about some, uh, some other cards maybe from this pile? Yeah, so there is another card. Yeah, it's uh, it's called Plunder. Yeah. Uh, let me let me just uh, full disclosure this. Uh, Jake outlined this episode, and he put a lot of things under Plunder, and I read them, and I disagreed with pretty much all of it. So here we go, Jake. Let's yeah. go. This is going to be a really fun discussion to have. Adam and I definitely had some uh, disagreements on Plunder and Encampment, specifically Plunder. Uh, One of the big things is that I said that the main purpose of plunders is keeping encampments in your deck. Oh, I disagree. I think that that is the most important thing that they do, because for (laughs) the most part, the encampment is a better card for your deck than the plunder is. I mean, so uh, there there are these things called VP tokens, okay? Yeah. They they give you points. Yeah. Yeah, you put them in your mouth. They, they give you. If you haven't done that in a while, have you? No, no. Why not? Are you like I'm, trying to hold back or? I'm what? Growing up, I'm getting a little more refined. Oh, you have a you have a more uh, distinctive palate. Yeah, that's uh, that's one way to put it. Been eating a lot of the little uh, cubes from Carcassonne. Oh, but anyway, okay. so, but anyway, uh, VP tokens are really really great, and when you don't have to spend an action. To get a VP token, and you can just keep playing the card that gives you a VP token as much as you want. That's really good, and that's way better than encampment. I mean, encampment helps you do it, but like... Okay, plunder is a very good card. It's very good payload. Uh, I am gonna say this. Plunder is overrated. That, okay, I'm just saying it. Plunder is underrated. It's just... It's it's easy to overestimate what the plunders are actually doing. It's for easy you. to underestimate what the plunders are actually doing. For so, you. in the most respects, it competes with gold. Obviously, it costs less, but the similarities are outweighing the differences. If you can afford if six, all you, you can care about five. in your life is keeping encampments in your deck. And that's yes, and we addressed earlier. That's the main purpose of golds. And but I disagreed with that as being the main purpose. I know, purpose but of you were wrong the then, and you're wrong now. You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. So I like. I really like how Gazbag put it. Gazbag is oh, another God. prominent member of our community, and he helped me put it in perspective when he said that the plunder is like a harem that you have to play twice to get the points. That's now, garbage. Okay. <laughs> that's so not... That's not accurate, obviously. <laughs> but the points where it is accurate and the points where it isn't accurate do a lot of telling as to what the plunders are and how to value them because obviously you can play it more times than the harem. All right, we are, we are finally moving back in the direction that is towards logic. So I'm glad yeah. to hear you saying this. So, like, if we can draw... If we can concoct some situation where plunder is worse than harem, then I will agree with you, plunder's yeah. not great there, because newsflash, harem's not a great card. Just look at the art. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not standing by that statement. I, I did like it. I thought it was pretty punchy and it got me thinking. But the the points where it is accurate and isn't accurate, the, the plunder basically being like harem, that actually does a lot of mileage in helping you evaluate the card in terms of how many times am I going to get to play this before the game ends? Yeah, so I think uh, the the more apt comparison, actually, because uh, this is frequently a thing you compare harem to, is duchy. Because if I'm not going to see that card two more times, give me my duchy, man. Yeah, so the other, I mean, I really do compare it a lot to gold, as the to the point when I, when I reveal the plunders, I'm thinking, and I hit six or more, I'm thinking about adding some payload to my deck. And that's about the time when I would add a plunder. Uh, or I'm thinking about something to keep encampments in my deck. And that's about the time I would add a plunder. So when I'm deciding between these two, I have to decide if I'm going to get more mileage out of the VP token than the extra dollar every turn. So, like, if there was... If you could only buy one plunder ever, if the split pile had uh, a... a Never mind. I don't even want to get into this. Like, you don't just buy one plunder, okay? If Maybe if you're playing no. just big money, then you might buy one plunder because it seems pretty decent. But, like, I mean, in that point, you probably should be buying a duchy or maybe a, a harem. I don't know. That's not in the kingdom. My point is the plunder... Plunder is important not because you can buy one of them and it's great. Plunder is important because you can buy up to five of them. And now, having five plunders that you play every turn is a huge, huge deal. And yep. denying that to your opponent is a huge, huge deal. And all of a sudden, because that dynamic exists, that's way more important on my mind than, like, keeping encampments in my deck. Okay, I'm going to agree with almost all of that. This the, is, like, the one point we agreed on. Yeah, yeah so, like, the what Adam said, totally 100% on point, except for the part where you stop caring about keeping encampments in your deck. You never I, stopped I keeping encampments in your deck. I didn't stop caring. I just said it was more important. I don't mean to trivialize the plunder points. They are really good. I will say this. This aspect of having five plunders in your deck is theoretical. That's not really something that is going to happen, or that you would necessarily even want to happen. Here's the thing. You you wouldn't just shove five plunders into your deck. The plunders are probably not going to be comprising the bulk of your score. It doesn't so much matter how many of them you're getting. It matters, are you getting them? Is your opponent getting them? What are you getting in relation to each other? Getting two or three plunder points a turn versus getting five plunder points a turn, it's not a huge difference. It still means that VP is scaling up in my favor, favor as the game goes on, and I don't often build decks that can just accommodate five silvers and still be reliable. So, uh, I don't... Uh, let me see if I can go through every single point you said, because almost all of it was wrong. I would <laughs> totally shove pl five plunders in my deck. Like, you give me any deck and you give me the option to shove five plunders in it, I'm saying yes, like, 100% of the time. So I would say yes to silvers, like, 95% of the time in that case. Now, that's not realistic, because yeah. you have to pay for plunder, and, you know, you could be buying something else, like, I don't know, duchy or harem or whatever. And to be fair, the encampments are drawing you the plunders to help you accommodate those five silvers we were talking about. Uh, I mean, they could. But the there's other stock like, cards. You, yeah. to, you need to have some kind of payload to, you know, buy plunders, and hopefully sure. you can make, like, ten and two buys, and so you have to draw that, too. So it's a little bit less trivial, the the thing is it's not it's not about like having 
two or three plunders and then my opponent having zero. Okay, it's about how many time, how many points per turn you're making on your opponent. Yeah. So, like, if I have four plunders and my opponent has one, now every single turn for the rest of the game, I'm making three points that don't make my deck worse. And so if the game's going to go on, like, three or four turns longer than this, then that is a huge, huge advantage because now I have 12, 9, 15 points that are just there, and, and I have them, and my opponent doesn't. And this is something that scales. This is not going anywhere. I don't have to make my deck into something that can't play these plunders anymore. In fact, I'm going to be playing... My, I'm going to be adding more deck control so I can play yeah. my plunders even more. I don't have to buy any more cards. If this is something that favors me, the threat of a situation like this is far more important than the execution of it. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. No, like, I, that's I, why I agree. a competent opponent will be contesting you. Yeah, right? I agree with all of that, yeah. 100%. This situation where you have the five plunders in your deck isn't going to exist because, again, you've got that split in mind. Now, losing the plunder split 2-3 also isn't the end of the world, though. I, I think that doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Because one point... You're making like, one point to turn, but, like, the game... By the time... The last plunder, you just bought, a, like, a duchy, and it would have been the same, right? Well, the other thing to Not keep in mind is that if the plunders are empty, that's one pile gone, and it's one pile gone in a game where people have a bunch of encampments in their deck. That game's probably going to end pretty soon. Okay, I, the, the, here's, here's the thing, right? Yeah. The two of us sitting here in my basement right now, we yeah. are not looking at a whole kingdom. We're talking about sure. one card, okay? Yeah. Whenever our listeners, though, uh, when when they are in this situation, they're looking at a kingdom and a game state. Exactly. Uh, our listeners are smart. I know this because they're listening to our podcast, and that makes them awesome. Possibly hi, even driving. Hi, listeners. Uh, uh, if you're driving, please make sure you're wearing your seatbelt. We care about you. But the thing is, like, they can look and see how close the game is to being over. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, if the game is close to over, obviously if there are two piles empty and the plunder is the last of it, don't spam the plunders if you're going to lose the game, right? Don't empty the third right. pile. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. That's one extreme. The other extreme is uh, this is the first pile to empty, which is a very valid situation in which case sure. the plunders get extremely important and you know in the middle ground it, uh, it it becomes the middle ground i think there's a fundamental disagreement on how often we think that happens yeah but in reality that doesn't freaking matter because you can figure that out for yourself and then just like buy plunders accordingly knowing that if i let my opponent get all the plunders and the game's going to go on longer i'm going to lose the freaking game but if i let them get all the plunders and i buy a duchy and then the game's over well then that's pretty great yeah no i i don't think adam and i actually disagree on how good of a card plunder is really i think we just agree <laughs> on yeah you know, like adam said i think we disagree on the situations that come up and and which ones favor which uh, most often so the uh, the idea namaste. yeah I'm normally if I have the option between buying a plunder and buying a gold I'm normally gonna buy the plunder but like Adam in how much value am I getting out of that dollar versus the VP chip and the game scaling in my favor a little bit more now the the split of plunders whether or not they're empty by the way I'm talking about just in relation to how many plunders yeah your, that's that's an important distinction your opponent has versus you and whether or not they're going to get more, etc. It comes down to, if the game keeps going on, am I favored to win? So, 
one thing that you need to do is evaluate the plunder split and just you know tailor your gameplay to that. If your opponent has two plunders or whatever, and you're thinking about something to uh, gain a plunder or something to help you end the game on a lead before that plunder matters, you think about how likely it is that you can actually do that. You and, and have a plan to end the game. Right? Yes, have to have that plan in mind. Yeah, the basically, if you do skip out on the plunders, you are making a bet that you can end the game before the points matter too much. And uh, if you lose that bet, you lose the game, obviously. Uh, Because the game will scale out of control. If you lose that bet, you lose the game, you lose your life. Uh, Yeah, no, you lose your girlfriend. Uh, Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, so your ability to end the game before this points-per-turn gap really comes into play is uh, the biggest indicator over whether you should take another plunder or take something else, like a point source, like a province or or uh, something like a mill province. <laughs> or a harem. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I am still going to reiterate that I think the most important thing plunders do is keeping encampments in your deck. And I'm anyway. going to reiterate that, that I disagree with that. <laughs> Let us know in the comments section. Like, yeah. tell, tell us who you think... I mean... This doesn't freaking matter. No, but, like, it tell us about it anyway. Yeah, totally. Why the f not? Right? Now, there is another aspect of uh, plunder encampment that I've seen people do, and that I'm yeah. sure I've been guilty of myself. And I call it plunder footsie. Yeah. Uh, basically, this is this idea when the encampments are low. Uh, plunder. Nobody's gotten a plunder yet. Maybe somebody has one. Maybe not. I don't know. But people play around this. Either uh, not reveal golds to encampments, put them back on purpose after they buy a plunder, or they uh, don't buy that last plunder because they don't want to let their opponent get their first crack at the plunder. This is terrible. Don't do this. Yeah, don't play really plunder. It's just silly. Don't play plunder footsie. The only time... It does not matter if your opponent gets the first plunder. The only time it would matter is if your opponent on his turn is going to generate enough money and buys to grab, like, all the plunders I, for it's some really, reason. It still seems bad. Yeah, right? and then, like, you just just go ahead and, and reveal the encampment. It, like, grab the encampment because, like, yeah. you know, if the plunders are so good, they're, you're revealing them for yourself over the next couple of turns, too. I don't want to say never do this, because, like, I can concoct situations that are very specific. Like, oh, I can get two plunders on a turn, and my opponent can only get one, and I want to get the initiative on the plunders, because then I can have four of them to one, and I think that'll win. And, like, yeah, sure, maybe. But, like, that's really narrow, and it sounds like you've already won the game. Yeah, just go ahead and get the f***ing encampment. (laughs) It's a good card for your deck. Putting encampments back is sad because you don't have them anymore. You know what else is sad? Not having them in your deck because you didn't buy them. Just get the <laughs> encampment. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh... You feel better now, Jake? Yeah, I feel better. Okay, me too. Uh, so anyway, uh, encampment plunder is a... I think it can be a pretty centralizing pile a lot of the time. It's good support payload, and it's good support deck control, but it's also, like, it's such good support that it really kind of makes the game revolve around itself almost like half the time i'd say i mean i don't really know what any of you said what you said means but like sure that seems fine yeah so as always (laughs) 
uh, we're going to have a kingdom where we're going to say more stuff that uh, neither of us understands. Yeah. And that's going to have encampment and plunder in it. Yeah. Do you want me to read some cards? Uh, Adam's going to read the cards that are in this kingdom. Yeah, they're going to be in the kingdom. Yeah, that we're going to play. Here we go. We have Royal Blacksmith, Poorhouse, Duchess, Encampment with Plunder, Doctor, Fortune Teller, Gladiator with Fortune, Scheme, Haggler, Expand, and there's also Plan and Fleet. Oh, it's a Renaissance car! Ah, we found one, yeah. Once more for our audio-only listeners. Royal Blacksmith, Poorhouse, Duchess, Encampment, Doctor, Fortune Teller, Gladiator, Shima, Haggler, Expand, and there's Plan and Fleet. Alright, so this is this is an interesting kingdom, right? Yeah, look at this business. Yeah. I don't see any plus buy other than fortune. Yeah, there's no uh, there's, there's no plus buy and no extra gain, so you're Well you're... there's expand and haggler, but uh, haggler doesn't help you get more than one encampment in a turn. Well expand does. Uh haggler does set seven. up this uh, dream situation where you buy a gold that comes with an encampment. That that sounds pretty sexy. Yeah, so obviously you're going to want to build your deck to get to that point and take advantage of that and that's not going to happen right away. So you could you could uh, get a plunder and haggle an encampment. Nice. Actually, you can't do that. Wait, matter. yeah, I was like yeah. what? Uh so yeah, it's I think that the goal of this deck is going to be probably to, <laughs> contrasting what I said before. I think the plunder split's going to be a big deal here. Uh, well, I, I think the encampment split's a pretty big deal because it is the only village. It's the only village, but the only real terminal to capitalize on a village is the expand. Uh, I would, uh, I would say that expand is pretty good. I think Royal Blacksmith is, uh, you know, you might have one of those in the deck. Uh, yeah, sure. I think you want to get thin. Uh, I think Doctor's important, uh, which causes me physical pain because Doctor's a bad card, but it's probably okay here. Yeah, I mean, the Doctor helps you... T- uh, with thinning too, but the plan is going to do a lot of work, I think. Sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, the uh, what are you planning though? I think you probably open plan on something. Uh, it depends on a lot. So I, what I really want to have my plan token on is the encampments, right? Eventually, it's a yeah. cheap pile. I can buy a lot of cards from that, and so in the abstract, that seems like what I want to do. On the other hand, uh, with a 5-2, obviously, you're going to get a Doctor turn 1. With a 4-3, I think I'm getting a Doctor turn 1. With a 3-4, plan gets a lot more attractive. You could also plan Doctor, and that would be not terrible. I mean, I would probably do that on a 3-4. I would plan Doctors, and then I would get the Doctor, overpay, trash the estate. Yeah. Uh, the, The nice thing about that is, uh, like, let's say you open 3-4, you get X and Doctor, and you yeah. overpay by 1. Uh, if your name is Adam Horton, uh, there is a 100% chance <laughs> that you reveal X to your Doctor on the overpay. This so, is true. So the plan actually gets around that pretty nicely. Yeah, it does. Um, it makes it a 0% chance that you accidentally trash your opening buy with, or that you accidentally look at your opening buy with Doctor. Yeah. Overpay. I usually top deck that stupid piece of crap. Yeah, so 
The other thing... Oh, on a 2-5, I would probably cry into my pillow and get something dumb like Encampment and Hagler, or maybe Encampment with a doctor, but I'd probably I would get the Hagler. I wouldn't sad. be that sad about getting about opening with a Hagler, though. Uh, I'd be sad. I don't think I really... Because you can buy stuff that will come man. with Encampments. Like... You the, can, but like then you're not thinning your deck, which seems really important. You can thin your deck later. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd rather be doing. I'd rather be thinning up front. But the f- opening with the haggler is pretty appealing because having your buys come with encampments that are speeding you up along the way is is fine. It's a good it's, card. I'm still pretty sad about it, but sure. Yeah, I don't. I think it's the worst opener, but I don't think it's so much worse that you're crying into your pillow. But Jake. I'm not going to tell you where to cry. That's right. I was uh, just about to tell you so, not to tell me where to cry. Yeah, so this, this is, is... 2018. I'll do what I want. Yeah, getting thin is obviously really important. That's coming from a mix of the doctors and the plan. The doctor and the plan. You could also plan scheme. That's fine, I guess. Uh, planning any non-terminal card really is going to be fine because you can get a bunch of it in thin. But... I guess it's fine. Uh, I don't know about... Uh, I don't know about Gladiator. What do you think of Gladiator. Yeah, I think that this is going to suffer from one of those... Uh, this is going to be one of those games where we both really want fortune, but neither of us really wants to put the gladiators in our deck, so it never I, becomes a good idea to put the gladiator in your I deck. think I want to put the gladiator in the deck. Do you? Yeah. Okay, why are you doing that? It gives me $3, and it's going to help me hit expand. It's not necessarily giving you $3, or dollars, though. It's, it's usually probably giving you $2. It's competing with playing your doctor or your haggler. I mean, if I'm going to have encampments around that I play, I'm not too worried about the terminal space. If I have Gladiator and Doctor in hand, there's a good chance that I'll be happy to play Gladiator, reveal the Doctor, have a decent yeah. shot at hitting uh, okay. hitting three bucks with it. So, I think the Gladiator is probably a fine card for the deck. Okay, well, if the opponent's getting the Gladiators, then I think you definitely at least get the Fortunes. And It's a great card, yeah. Yeah, at that point, things get weird, because the, the Fortune might come with gold, that's great. Yeah. Actually, that's that, synergy. At that point in the game, I would hope that we're, we're past the point where gaining a gold is a huge deal. But, yeah. yeah, so, okay, if that's the case, if either one goes for gladiators, the game de- definitely takes a, a different turn. Yeah, and I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I, I think that uh, expand is going to be pretty Important. You're either expanding golds into provinces, or you're just milling provinces with expands. So once you get an early lead, I think that you could probably force the game end. Especially if you lose the plunder split. I think that your end game becomes getting expands and then milling provinces with it. I think even if you win the plunder split, like the expands are probably pretty good. I think the idea of like having a lot of encampments so that I can... Maybe put one or two Royal Blacksmiths in the deck to draw a lot of cards. Maybe that's great for my fortune. Sure. Or, uh, you know, have the terminal space to play a couple of Expands. Uh, that's going to make a difference. I think Encampment Split is probably the more relevant split between Encampment and Plunder here. Sure. Reading the game skate and deciding uh, if fortunes are going to be entering the game anytime soon. Or, uh, you know, maybe if I want to be getting some plunders, if I have an expand and maybe I can get double plunder turns somewhat easily, uh, maybe I will prioritize that. I can't, I don't think I can tell you by looking at this board right now without knowing more information if yeah. plunders are going to be important, but I can tell you that I think encampments will be. Well, encampment plunder tends to be that kind of a pile where you can say less in terms of sweeping strategic statements and 
it's a much more tactical reaction-based pile in terms of reading the game state and making the best play accordingly. So uh, I know how much you love saying stuff like that. I'm glad you got a chance to say that. Uh, you do say that about a lot of cards, and frankly, I think that's the case for a lot of cards, and that Jake is right about that when he says that, even if he sounds like a broken record. So if anyone out there is like, well, you always do this, and this is correct, well, poopy on you. Yeah. Were people saying that? I don't know. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I, the interesting thing for me is, like, how are you playing your expands? Are you playing the expands to make your deck better? Are you playing your expands to gain provinces and make your deck worse? Or are you playing your expands to be deck neutral but mill provinces? And, and I think that's going to come down to... If you have players. an expand in your hand and nothing else that you can trash to gain a province, like, what are you doing with your life? Well, I mean... The, Just, like, gain a province, trash something else, man. You could, but the that makes your deck worse, right? So, like, if that's a gold, you could be spending the gold to you know whatever the uh the idea i don't think milling provinces with expand is ever going to be good here i think it might be good if it helps you end the game faster if it's you can just gain provinces like usually having the the points in your deck already and then milling the provinces to close out the game is a stronger move right that's what i'm saying is when you're how you prioritize doing that i think if you i think if the plunders run out and you lose that plunder split you probably start to aggro mill provinces. Uh, I think when the plunders are revealed, you decide on your game plan. And sure. that game plan may involve losing the plunder split if you think that that serves you better. Sure. Gains are limited here, so um, you know, getting the plunder pile stack uh, is potentially harder to do, but if you can get there, then it may be harder for your opponent to close out the game. Which is why I think expand is important because it's uh, it's good at closing out the game and less good at getting plunders. So yeah. it's a mark against plunder. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I think we both agreed we're opening fortune teller silver and uh, playing the poorhouse engine. <laughs> uh, what do you think of fleet here? You think you would open fleet? Open what? <laughs> yeah. No fleet uh, poorhouse or fleet yeah. duchess. No, so like fleet is interesting. It's the new one, and so I have no idea if it's going to be good. Don't, don't yeah, ask me. Yeah, ever. Like, I mean, like, so <laughs> I don't understand. Seems fine. I don't know. I mean, the, this idea that you have this extra turn. It's probably going to be gaining a duchy because provinces are probably piling here. Playing your plunders, woo! Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're joking a little bit, but no, like that's a thing. I wasn't joking. Yeah, he's hilarious. But you, uh, <clears throat> you get to play your plunders. You get to probably gain a duchy. I think that the fleet is pretty actually important because I think that you are getting at least a duchy plus the plunders you can play. That's almost the value of a province. It doesn't go you in could, your deck right away. You could trash uh, curses with plan on your fleet turn. Yeah, if you've got curses. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yeah, so I think it's going to be pretty good. Uh, let us know what you think. Yeah. Uh, you can leave a comment on the YouTube video if that's how you're watching the podcast. Yep. Or uh, if you are an audio-only listener, you can go to adamhorton.com. There's a blog there and plenty of links at the top. You can go to our <coughs> Discord server. Holler at us there. Yeah. Got some forums. Holler at us there. There's contact page. Holler at us there. Yep. Links up. to the YouTube channel. Holler at us there. <laughs> Show up to Adam's work. Holler at him there. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that's normal. Yeah, you show up to my work, but um, man, you don't want to. Anyway, my work's pretty boring too. You yeah. can show up to the uh, Dominion tournament that I'm going to be hosting in about two months in January of 2019. Holler at me there, man. Yeah, no, that'll be cool. And me too, but um, I'll be focused on playing Dominion. Yeah, sweet. Uh, yeah, so uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we appreciate that. And uh, we're going to probably do some more episodes of Making Luck soon. Someday, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I was at work today, and I got a call. It was from this number. It's on the webcam. I I mean, I don't really care about sharing it. Uh, they left a voicemail. Uh, I actually didn't get the missed call because I keep my phone on airplane mode while I'm at work because uh, I can't have it with me. Anyway, uh, they left a voicemail, and I wanted to play that voicemail. So here we go. Is anyone else hungry after this? <laughs> could really go for some uh, general sows or maybe some sushi. So, so I think is that the, racist? I don't know. Um, I think. I mean, I think the question on all of our minds after hearing that is, who did you <laughs> off? Um, <laughs> like, I was gonna say, what in the actual? F- yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, Can anyone out there like understand that? Like, I thought it was Japanese, and Jake was like, "No, it's definitely not Japanese." I listened to too much anime; I would have recognized <laughs> some of it. So, um, like, what, we don't—I I can't even tell you what language it is. I just like, I got that voicemail today, and I don't understand. Yeah, can can someone please help? Like, if you if you can tell me like anything about that, I need to know. Yeah, especially if there's half price sushi involved. But <laughs>